Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thank you for listening to the late-breaking F1 podcast. Make sure to look out for new episodes every Thursday and Grand Prix Sundays. Hello and a very warm welcome to the late-breaking F1 podcast presented as ever by Harry Eid, Sam Sage and myself, Ben Hocking. The summer break marches on, but we're still here. There's still F1 chat to be had. You can't stop us. And we've got plenty to discuss today. Obviously, all of the F1 drivers at the moment jetting out to some of the most exotic parts of the world. Sam, how is South London? I mean... Yeah, it's it's good. Harry's over there in Slough or Reddit, Reddit, Reading, <laughs> Red place full of <laughs> full of annoying crettings, um, us being some of them. It's a good start to the podcast where I can't even name a location in the UK. Um, I would quite like to be at one of those glamorous locations. I'm not, as you said, I live in Central South London. Um, but yeah, summer break's fine. We're getting closer to the races. I am having minor breakdowns on a day-by-day basis until I can see cars go around a cracking a circle again over 60 times. Please bring it back sooner. But we're getting there. We're getting there. How are you boys holding up? Well, I don't even know where I am now. So, Slough, Reading. Cent- did, did you know before? Central, South London. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, the, it, uh, the Hungarian GP feels about three years ago already, doesn't it? Which is... Um, which is sad, but yeah, I'm coping, I'm coping. It will be back before we know it, which it can't come soon enough, I couldn't agree more. Um, we do have some very interesting topics to discuss nonetheless, even without there being any actual racing on track. Um, but first of all, just to quickly say that, depending on when you're listening to this, but likely about a week after you're listening to this, we're actually going to be in the same place at the same time for only the second time this year and the first time wow. this, the first time since October where it will just be the three of us so very exciting let us know what you'd like us to do f1 related <laughs> yeah. just the Please. three of us 
We talk F1 if we try, just the three of us. Well, there you go, there's another jungle. Yeah, that's beautiful. Um, if you just want us to make F1-related songs all weekend and then upload that, then feel free to suggest it. But on a more serious note, please do let us know if you'd like us to record a special podcast episode or anything along those lines. Let us know. We might well go ahead with your idea. And just the obligatory shout-out as well before we get going, the Discord um, channel that we have available. We've got about 65 people in there discussing F1 at the moment, which is fantastic. Some really interesting discussions, so uh, the link will be in the description. Harry, I, a few people said that it didn't work last week, so I'm going to presume you're being an idiot. But Not again. Out, never mind. Would you mind sorting that out? I sorted it out. Sorted it out. Classic Harry. Well, this is why he doesn't so... know whether he lives in Slough or Reading. <laughs> not, not, to turn on, not to turn on our listeners, but maybe you're clicking it wrong. Just saying. Wow. <laughs> Just like the customer is never wrong, the listener is never wrong, Harry. <laughs> Come on. Um, yeah. But yeah, the link will be there. Try it. If it doesn't work, just shout at Harry. It's easy as that. But we're going to get on with some proper F1 chat. We're going to be discussing Carlos Sainz, who at the summer break is leading Charles Leclerc, albeit by a slender margin. We'll be discussing whether he can kick on and actually win that by the end of the year. Sebastian Vettel. 11 races into his Aston Martin career, we're going to be discussing whether he has filled expectations, whether he's exceeded expectations at his new team, or whether he is falling behind. And we're going to play a game of F1 higher or lower later on, Sam versus Harry, in that one. But first of all, we're going to be discussing Max Verstappen. So Max Verstappen not leading the championship going into the summer break, although he is still well within a shot of winning his first drivers' championship. Uh, but we're going to discuss. We're going to go away from the discussion of Hamilton versus Verstappen. We're going to look at Verstappen versus the teammates that he's had over the last few years, and how he's done a pretty good job against them. So, Sam, I'll pose this question to you: Do we at this point have to sit back and say Verstappen is just absolutely utterly brilliant? Or do you think Red Bull, as a team, have a real issue in being able to support Verstappen with the second driver that he needs? I think it is. And with all of these F1 topics, it's never just one sole issue. But I think you can look at it as like a, almost like an arc of development. If you were to start where Verstappen and Ricardo became teammates together, and that is kind of essentially the first test that Verstappen ever really had at Red Bull, of course, was going up against Ricardo. And you know, we, we look at Ricardo with a lot of fondness on this channel. We really admire his talent. We think that he is one of the top class of the field. And you'll notice how, of course, the whole time that they were there, they were very, very equal. And I think that's part of the reason is because Verstappen at that point hadn't, one, perfected his driving style in Formula 1, and two, didn't have total control over the development of the Red Bull car. And therefore, the Red Bull team, Helmut Marko hadn't centred himself on Max Verstappen, Christian Horner hadn't become the number one Verstappen fanboy, supporting his driver every single turn, um, and Ricardo was equally as important to the team. So therefore, I think their efforts were split. Of course, Ricardo realises that over time, Verstappen is getting slightly more preferential treatment. The car is being angled towards him. And Ricardo mainly perceives that Red Bull aren't building a car that could win him a championship, which is, Ricardo has come out and said that's what he wants. That is what he's aiming for. Of course, cue the likes of Gasly and Albon coming into the team. At this point, they're the newcomers. They're the people that, you know, are new to the environment and new to the car. And Verstappen is 100% the lead driver at this point. He's in charge of where it's going. And his efforts, to be fair, are improving. His results are improving. He becomes a real threat to the championship, to races, to race wings on a regular basis. And I think at that point, engineers and the design team have gone, Max, how do you like the car to be built? How do you want to drive the car? And I think they've designed the car to his driving style, which I think is completely fair, right? He's the number one driver. He's the one that's going to win the world title. It makes a lot of sense to do it that way. Has that alienated some drivers along the way? 
Yeah, I think it definitely is possible. I think it has. And I think Ricardo is actually, ironically, a victim of something similar at McLaren now that Lando Norris has been the lead driver and has been developing that car over a few years into his own driving style. So Max Verstappen is exceptionally good. I think him and Lewis Hamilton are so far clear of the rest of the group when it comes to outright talent at the moment that even if the car was equal at this point uh, and developed entirely 50-50 between both Max and whatever teammate he has at the time, I still think Max will blow them all out of the water. But over years of development, learning the team, becoming intrinsically linked to the, the, the culture of the team and how the team works, I think that has massively boosted Max Verstappen's chances of having a car under his disposal that works exactly how he wants it. So it's 50% Max is one of the best drivers we've seen on the grid for a very, very long time, other than Lewis Hamilton, essentially. And secondly, the time at Red Bull has just allowed him to amalgamate so brilliantly that that car is his and his alone. And I've got no issues with that. I think that's what a world champion would end up doing. So, um, yeah, that, that, that's probably the reasoning I would give as to why Max's teammates, although very good drivers, have never been able to stand the test of time against the Dutchman. What do you reckon on this one, Harry? Yeah, I mean, um, it, it would be so interesting to, obviously we can't turn back time, but <clears throat> to see how it would have gone had Ricardo stuck around uh, at the end of 2018. And if he was still in that team, as Sam said, he uh, he saw the writing on the wall in terms of the way the team were going around Verstappen. Um, you know, they had that crash in, in Baku and it was kind of blamed solely on Ricardo, where, you know, you could argue both were at fault. Um, and I think he saw, saw what was which direction things were going. But um, yeah, I, I would be so interesting because, as you said, Sam, he was Ricardo and Verstappen were pretty equal. And yes, Verstappen was... Um, Still early in his career, maybe slightly more reckless, but I think that it still would have been pretty tight even even now because we know how good Ricardo is when he's on form. Last year being uh, being an example. So um, yeah, and since then they they they've the teammates they brought in. I think this is again it's a policy problem with Red Bull, which we obviously talked about a lot. But the teammates they brought in against Verstappen are so young and inexperienced and I know Verstappen is still fairly young and inexperienced not that much anymore but they're so young and inexperienced they they can't match him and then obviously they, they get rid of them too soon um, and yeah I, I think it would be tough for any teammate to come in to, to beat him you could argue that Perez has done a almost not solid but he's got close on occasions this year where you know Albon and Gasly didn't um, and perhaps he's been the closest there's been since Ricardo. But um, yeah, I think they would find it really difficult to bring in a driver now. I, and I think it would be interesting if Perez stayed on next year and had involvement in that car development. Because like you said, Sam, Max is fully ingrained in that in that team now. The car is based around what he's asking for. Um, so yeah, 2022 could be interesting if they do keep Perez and, and allow him to to have direction around around the around the development of the car but um yeah i'd find it really tough to see you can only see you know alonso maybe hamilton definitely anyone else on the grid coming in charlotte claire potentially who could challenge verstappen in that red bull team in another team i think it's a different question but in red bull um there aren't many other drivers on the grid i think that could that could topple him so um you know we speak of Ferrari having a number one driver and they're you know often accused of that but I think Red Bull are serial offenders in this department they've had a number one driver for a fair few years if you look at Verstappen and the Vettel days um yeah so it's an it's an interesting one 
Yeah, it is. It is a really interesting one. And I remember we've, we've not necessarily had this exact discussion before, but we have had very similar discussions in the past. And we I, I recall back to last year when we had a very similar discussion to this. And I remember this was either when Perez had been confirmed or he was very close to being confirmed. He was at least heavily rumoured to get that second Red Bull seat. And I remember saying at the time that Perez would decide the narrative on this. How Perez does versus Verstappen would alter what my opinion on this would be. So I said that if Perez comes in and he challenges Verstappen to a similar degree that Ricardo used to when they were teammates, then that puts more emphasis on Gasly and Albon not being able to do the job. Because if Perez can come in, if Ricardo can come in, they can both do a job very similar to Max Verstappen, then it doesn't reflect well on those two drivers. And you can kind of draw a line under the sand there. You don't need to really really discuss much more. However, I said that if Perez struggles to a similar degree to what we've seen with Gasly and Albon, and in fairness, I think it's much closer to that reality than the first reality. So... If, if, it, if that was the case, if Perez did struggle versus Verstappen, I said that the narrative would actually be that Verstappen is just is just brilliant. Because if Perez can't match him, we know how good Perez is. He's been around for a long time. He's done very well against other other teammates, other very reputable teammates, such as Nico Hülkenberg. So if Perez can't do the job, and two of their own drivers that they brought up can't do the job, then maybe we just have to sit back and say, you know what, Verstappen's great. And the number of drivers that can match him is is incredibly limited. Maybe that's the case. I think it's important to bear in mind that Perez hasn't had the number of races I would like to see yet in terms of the the consistency that he could show. He has had only 11 races in that car. Although, you have to bear in mind that Gasly pretty much had exactly the same number of races that Perez has already had at the team. And Albon didn't have much more than that. I know he had a, a season and a half, but that full season was a was a cut one due to due to COVID. So it, it's difficult, you know. Perez has had a had an okay amount of time to get used to it, and it's just not happening for him yet. But I do want to see how this second half of the season goes before being absolutely definitive on this. But I, I am starting to lean towards the fact that you just have to look at Verstappen and say what an incredible talent he is. There's not much you can do. There's not much you can do to stop that. One thing I found incredibly damning in terms of Perez's performance relative to Verstappen, and I'm not going to take claim for this stat myself. This came from race fans. Through the first 11 races of this season, the only times that Perez has been ahead of Verstappen in a race has been where Perez has yet to pit. Every other occasion where they're both running on track, neither have DNF'd, Verstappen has been in the lead. So the only time Perez has been in the lead is where uh, is where he's not pit. So and I'm not saying Red Bull necessarily needs someone who is beating Verstappen 100% of the time. I'm not even saying they need someone who can beat Verstappen 20% of the time. But not having done it at all in 11 races, it's a bit concerning. And... Yeah, we had a couple of breakout races from Perez not too long ago, but he needs to kick on from that now. I, I, yeah, and like I say, at this point, maybe you just have to sit back and say, we know that Verstappen's brilliant, 
maybe he's even more brilliant than what we thought he was. Maybe Perez needs more time to adjust, though. I'm willing to give him that time. Brilliant times, too. Is that what we're saying there? Pretty much. Good. Yeah. Or even times three sometimes. He, he's a good driver. Four. I don't, I don't give out those compliments easily <laughs> as well. You know, brilliant times, too. I mean, in terms of... In terms of their championship effort, we're seeing that Bottas is is not performing too well versus Lewis Hamilton. Uh, that might be a bit of an understatement, and I didn't want to get a Bottas jab into this podcast at all. We haven't got him on the discussion list, but the, the conversation has gone there. Sam, do you think that Bottas not performing as well as he has done in previous seasons is actually masking an issue that Red Bull have got because at the moment Perez's relative poor performances versus Verstappen is not necessarily being punished by Mercedes so do you think the issue is being masked at all? Um, It could be it could be I mean we've seen this throughout time at Red Bull Red Bull have a chronic teammate problem it's not like Perez is the only person that's turned up at Red Bull and not matched Verstappen um, you, you, Red Bull need to look at their, their driver lineups. They need to look at the history of their drivers and they need to look at how the culture is around their teams and go, well, hang on a minute. It's not like this has suddenly changed this season. It's not like over the last 12 months we've had a suddenly shifting things. Albon immediately struggled. Gasly immediately struggled. Ricardo started to struggle. I mean, you now look at what Gasly's able to do in a team that values him, that is building him up, that supports him on a regular basis. And he has a great relationship with Yuki Tsunoda as well. The king is flying high. He's doing really, 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 really well. And Bottas, you know, Mercedes' culture with Bottas is so different. Mercedes want Bottas to do one thing. As long as they're at the top of each table, Mercedes don't really mind what's going on. They don't mind if Bottas has not won a race all season. Because if it means that Mercedes then go on to win the Drivers' Championship because of Bottas' results, that satisfies Mercedes. Only one driver needs to win the Drivers' title. Um... And actually, I, you know, I can't believe I might be this person. I'd like to defend Bottas here. His season really hasn't been too bad. If you look at every single race that he had... I know, right? Shocked faces, folks. You can't see it, but they are shocked. Um, if you look at the <laughs> the races that Bottas has won, run, not won, sorry, over the course of this season, um, there's only been one race that Bottas has actually finished in where he hasn't been on the podium. Now, of course, there are certain reasons why things have happened, and Hungary, for example, was entirely his own fault. Of course, you need to take these kind of things into account. You also need to take into account his pace off of his seven-time champion's teammate, Lewis Hamilton, and whatnot, look at distances. But if you're just going to look solely at results, Bottas' results, when he has finished a race, have not been awful. Perez is adjusting to a new team. Perez needs time. And I think, actually, if you were to look at how Rebel have treated its teammates previously. I think they're doing a good job in not criticising Perez and giving the time that he needs to build up. And I think people are quite harshly jumping to the same conclusions that they dig for Gasly and they dig for Albon. Perez does need to do more, but we all need to have a little bit more time and awareness for these second Red Bull drivers. Not everyone is Max Verstappen, not everyone is Lewis Hamilton. And they need to do what Bottas has done the last few years, and that is get the championship across the line for the team while the other driver goes on and wins the title. Perez was doing that for a lot of the season. Only recently has that not happened. What's your thoughts on this, Harry? I appreciate it's actually deviated a little bit away from the original question here, but do you think that that Mercedes are being, sorry, Red Bull are being let off the hook slightly by Bottas not being at the peak we've seen from him in the likes of 2017 and 2019? Um, I mean, 
Yeah, you. I think it's undoubtedly so. If if Bottas were performing at a better level mm-hmm. and Perez at, at the same level that he is now, um, and that we know that level of Perez is up and down. It's not. It's good sometimes, it's, and then sometimes it's not good at all. Um, yeah, you know, Mercedes scoring more points would would hurt, would hurt um, Red Bull more. You know, and we Baku is a good example where. Hamilton made that very uncharacteristic mistake, allowed uh, Rebel, i.e. Perez, to get the win um, and Bottas was nowhere to be seen Um, and it's those kind of days that could hurt Mercedes Mercedes further down the line so um, yeah it it remains to be seen if Mercedes still won the Constructors' Championships Constructors' Championship um, we might forget this and say Bottas still did a good enough job as a as a as a second driver, but um, you know it's entirely possible that Red Bull could, are, are being let off the hook slightly. Um, yeah. Yeah, I I think realistically, I've said this before. I think I said this on the previous podcast. I think this 2021 version of Bottas is possibly the worst version of Bottas we've seen at Mercedes, and I think if we saw the same Bottas that. I, you know, I picked that 2017 and 2019. They're two pretty good years from him. I think if he was at that standard, I think Mercedes would be more comfortably ahead in the championship, in the Constructors' Championship, and Red Bull would be looking at themselves now and kicking themselves, saying, if we had built up a second driver rather than have to ship one in last minute because we can't build the, the previous two guys who tried to be in the role, I think they would be kicking themselves. I think they'd be saying... You know, if if only we'd played this differently, if only we'd done the same thing that Mercedes did with Valtteri Bottas, we'd be in with a chance. But as it happens, I think Bottas not being at his full potential is, is helping it, keeping it fairly close. But be interested to see what happens in the second half of the year on that. <clears throat> Let's move I on would, to. Um, I would, I would, I would oh. argue it. Oh, bloody hold your horses, Ben. Oh, ever older. Valtteri Bottas has got one more point to make here, and I would argue for Valtteri that. He is entirely right. the reason why Mercedes are leading the Constructors' Championship. Not necessarily by the standard means, of course. He did decide that he would rather go bowling than racing. But Valtteri Bottas is doing everything in his power to make sure that Mercedes went into that summer break and they are leading. Uh, I, After you said the nice thing about him, I was going to ask, is this a situation where someone off camera has a gun to your head? And you're trying to get across the fact that you're in danger without outwardly saying it, but then that's just ruined it. So that's yeah, don't not worry. what's going on. Don't yeah. worry. Although if I ever I thought... do come back and say that Bottas will win a race, then you know that I am in trouble. Well, you'll have to say it after he does win a race. Please, Valtteri. Please, it won't happen. please. Russia is coming. Russia is is coming. Right, um, Sam. Am I okay to move on? Yeah, sorry, Valtteri's gone to Russia to practice more. Thank, thank you, thank you, Sir Sam. Um, Ferrari, Carlos Sainz and Charles Leclerc. So Carlos Sainz coming into a new team against a Charles Leclerc that beat Sebastian Vettel the last two years in their intra-team battle. And at the summer break, it's close, but Carlos Sainz is ahead, of course, helped by the fact that he eventually finished on the podium at Hungary. Charles Leclerc retired from that race. It gives Carlos Sainz just a three-point lead in their battle, one of the closest ones, of course, on the grid. 
I mean, Sam, first of all, are you surprised that Sainz is leading at this stage? And do you think he can hold it for about the rest of the year? Am I surprised that Sainz is leading? Uh, It's a 50-50 question. I'm surprised in that he's leading in his first half of a year at the new team, especially that new team being Ferrari, which is famously difficult to get used to. The environment is incredibly different to any other F1 team. And Sainz has gone from one extreme culture in McLaren, which is incredibly upbeat and full of camaraderie and has Norris next to him now, to Ferrari, which is full of that historic culture, that kind of old-school reputation that we must deliver these results. Um, and he's settled in that team better than anyone else has settled in their new teams across the rest of the year. So I'm surprised that he's leading in that sense. But am I surprised he's leading if you were to look at his ability? No. I don't think the disparity between Charles Leclerc and Carlos Sainz is as big as a lot of people like to make it out to be. Carlos Sainz, I think, is one of the most underrated young talents in Formula 1 at the moment. And I think that Red Bull made a massive mistake by not promoting Carlos Sainz alongside um, Max Verstappen or even giving him some kind of a chance earlier on in the driving career of that guy because, you know, the guy's a regular race winner coming up. The guy, I think, if Ferrari get their act together, can comfortably lead that team if something were to happen to Charles Leclerc. Let's say he gets pinched by someone. Let's say he just doesn't fancy it one day and wants to become an ice cream man on the coast of Scarborough and decides, you know what, that's what I'm going to do instead. Um, you never know. Uh, you might become a chocolate eclair at your local patisserie. Honestly, Charles Leclerc is very much a great driver. But Carlos Sainz is definitely no slouch. I am really not shocked that he's up there fighting. I'm surprised he's doing it so soon. Is there a chance that he can carry it on for the rest of the season? Again, it's 50-50. Charles Leclerc is a.k.a. God Leclerc for a reason. The man really does know how to drive his socks off, and that Ferrari car is suiting him very well. Look at Silverstone, for example. The man capitalised on a really, really difficult and crazy race and made the most of it. Uh, I think Sainz hasn't got that just yet in the Ferrari. I think it will come to him. Uh, I think that those two will be much closer next season rather than the end of this season. I think Leclerc will just get it. But I don't think it's going to be a huge gap. I don't think Carlos Sainz should look at himself and be at all disappointed come the end of the season if Leclerc does finish ahead of him. Harry, what do you reckon? Three points in it. Do you think Sainz has the potential to see this through? Do you think Charles Leclerc can get it back? Um, I, he has the potential to see it through, definitely. I, I, I'm in agreement with what Sam said there. Um, I think ability-wise, it's that much of a shock that Sainz could be on a par with Leclerc. We all know how good Leclerc is. Um, slightly shocking that it's maybe quite so soon, and, and we mentioned in, our, in last week's podcast, I think, um, out of all the drivers who have moved to a different team, he's the one who's got up to speed the quickest. Um, which is, you know, no mean fear, I don't think. But, um, yeah, I think he definitely has the ability to, to see it through to the rest of the year. I guess there are some instances where you'd say, you know, Leclerc was pretty unlucky in Hungary. He lost on, out on a chunk of points there, where Sainz getting quite a few, getting P3. Um, Monaco again, you could argue that although Leclerc put it in the wall himself, so that's his own that's his own fault. Um, so yeah, there's potential to say that Leclerc would still be in front in the points without those two DNFs um, or DNS even for Monaco. Um, but yeah, I, I I don't think it's too much of a shock that Sainz is up there with Leclerc. Um, yeah, we, we've we've seen in the past couple of years of McLaren, how well he's performed. I think his only duff period is really when he went was at Renault. Um, and maybe, yeah, 
I, I don't know. I don't know why it was Duff at Renault, but maybe it was just the environment he was in. And apart from that, he's flourished in every team he's been in. So um, yeah, I don't know why we shouldn't be surprised. I don't think. But yeah, as Sam mentioned, I think that the speed at which he's got up to speed is very impressive. So I'm happy to accept that with all of the takes that we have on these podcasts, occasionally we'll be right about things, occasionally we won't be right about things. And I think if we look back to the pre-season predictions that we did, there are two standout ones for from my side, what I gave. One was very right, one was very wrong. So the one that I was very right about, and I'm going to keep singing about it, is how well Lando Norris is doing. Because I said he'd have a breakout year, and he has to this point. I'll let you have that one, then. Yes. But then I am also very happy to accept I am wrong on things as well. And the thing I was most wrong about in my preseason predictions is that Carlos Sainz would not be able to compete with Charles Leclerc, because he absolutely has. And he's done far better than what I thought he would do. So fair play to him. Um, I, I think through through this first half of the year, you've already mentioned that Carlos Sainz got up to speed, the fastest of any new driver. I completely agree. I would go one step further, though. I would say he was the fastest to get used to his team, and it wasn't even close if you compare it to the other drivers. He was my. I know Alonso and, and maybe Vettel are definitely getting there now, but at least the first four or five races of the season, Sainz didn't even have a second place in that specific category so yeah he he did a marvelous job in terms of getting up to speed very quickly i think at the moment you know charles leclerc has finished ahead in more qualifying sessions charles leclerc has finished ahead in in more race situations as well the points aren't reflecting that mainly because of the two instances you've already brought up monaco signs had 18 points on him you're absolutely right it was charles leclerc's own fault that he didn't get anything from that race and that is definitely his biggest weakness, is that he still does have these errors where he is costing himself. Hungary is the opposite of that, where he definitely did, couldn't have done anything about bowling ball stroll um, <laughs> that, that cannon into him. And the only, the only bad thing that Charles Leclerc did in that Hungarian race is he qualified too well. If he qualifies worse, he doesn't get involved in that, and he does what Ocon and Vettel did. So... You know, you can't really blame him for qualifying well. So if if I'm looking at it now, there's three points in it, and that's a 33-point swing to signs, just those two races. Theoretically, in the last half of this year, are both of those things going to happen again? Probably not. In which case, I do think Charles Leclerc is going to overturn this deficit. But it wouldn't surprise me either way. It wouldn't surprise me if signs does end up beating Leclerc. If I had to put money on it, I'd put money on Leclerc, but Sainz is doing far better than I thought he would do, and I'm very glad that he's proved me wrong on this. I wouldn't put my money on Leclerc. Not in hot conditions, it will get quite sticky. Oh, what, 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 do you, what would you put your money on? What, yeah, what uh, could this maybe, a, uh, maybe a cream horn? Or a fresh donut, perhaps? Cream horn or fresh donut, everyone? Get your answers in the chat. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I mean, it's not even like, what would you put your money on them to do? Just eat them. Just be tasty. Yeah. Donuts are always tasty. True. Fair enough. Do you know what the tastier then? A brunch bar. (laughs) I'm I'm still not over Harry comparing Lewis Hamilton to a brunch bar. It's the biggest compliment I can give. 
So I don't know what he loves a brunch bar, folks. I'd like <laughs> to see fine. a collaboration between uh, granola bars or uh, what are those ones that you used to get with like the jam in the middle? Oh, uh, Nutrigrain bars. Like, yeah. I, I'd like to see a Nutrigrain Hamilton collab after he retires or something like that. We'll get like a purple flavour. It'd be like mm. blackcurrant jam or something, and that'll be the the Lewis Jamilton <laughs> bar. <laughs> God. The, set, the amount you work to set that up as well. Honestly, I respect it more than anything. The grind is real. Oh, the graft. Oh, the graft of the punchline. Look, look up the definition of the word seamless, and you will see whatever the hell the opposite of that was. Oh, I've impressed. Face crying. Honestly, um, I've just realised as well. Most of these references, they, they probably haven't made their way over to the states. So just to give a bit British of context, reference. brunch bars—they're like a chocolate, like heavenly goodness. They're, they're all oh, right. so good. They are. Harry's bigger than that. Nutra grains are the creme de la creme of breakfast bars. It's folks, basically, you know, like when you're at school and you have like your, I, I, we call it a tuck break over here. You break between your breakfast and your lunch. You get like 15 minutes. So you have a snack. Uh, brunch bars, lunch and breakfast. You know, brilliantly named. I like a little tasty, healthy snack that you get to take with you in your bag, and it's just a, a cereal bar. Cereal yeah. bar. That's what they are there. We are moving cool. on. <laughs> I'm not taking no for an answer this time, Sam. We are moving on. Um, we've got Sebastian Vettel to discuss now. So, obviously, he's 11 races into his Aston Martin career. A uh, bit difficult to tell exactly what the expectations were coming into this season. Of course, going up against Lance Stroll. Finished on the podium once, very nearly twice. He stood on a podium twice finished on a podium once so he's leading in the points against his teammate harry overall how would you rate it do you think he's exceeded your expectations do you think he's fallen short do you think he is about where you thought he might be uh, this is a difficult one to judge because i think if you went if you're judging it on his overall career of of being an f1 driver um, you know, he's a four-time world champion, and this year, as a whole, so far, has been up and down. It sounds like the two-time world champ for the four-time world champ. Um, yeah. Anyway, thank you. None of you, no one can see this, and it's just they're putting me off. Um, anyway, um, yeah. So it's been an up and down, up and down year for Seb. He's had some, some. We mentioned this last week. Some fairly strong results. Still on the podium twice. Um, Monaco, another another solid race for him as well. Um, but there've been some lows. Silverstone, the first race in in Bahrain. Um, so yes, I think in the overall context of Sebastian Vettel's career, I think he's having um, you know an average season so far. Compared to last year, it's uh, it's above expectations. I mean, if you based it his, purely on what twenty twenty was for for Seb. You'd say this is this has gone above and beyond what he he achieved last year. Um, I think it would be it would have been interesting if Aston Martin Racing Point hadn't necessarily lost the speed they had in that car last year through whatever reason, um, and to see where that would have put him. Uh, would it maybe have exposed his slow start a bit more, or maybe he would have jumped on it a bit more? I don't know, but um, I think that would have been interesting. So I think maybe people were expecting that car to be on the pace straight away. Maybe that's reflected badly on his season, um, but I don't think that's necessarily his fault. Uh, yeah, so 
I'll I'll say he is he's about where I thought he would be. Um, he's he's exceeded as I said he's exceeded on last year, but overall it's it's been average for for Sebastian Vettel standards I'd say. Um, but yeah, I I think it's as we said last week. I think it can only improve uh, from here on anyway. I think at the beginning of the season it was a fair question to ask. Is the old Sebastian Vettel, the old championship-winning Sebastian Vettel, still there? So, Harry, eleven races in, are you any closer to answering that one way or the other? He... Oh, thank God you asked that. Such a harried answer, where he spoke for five minutes and never actually made a conclusion. I always it's make a, it's a separate con- question. Solid conclusion. <laughs> I did. I said, always I did. produces a solid conclusion. I said. Um... <laughs> I said it's where I thought it was he's be. good, maybe. He's good, maybe. <laughs> yeah, he's exactly where I thought he might be. But that's that was one of the options well, Ben gave that's... me. <laughs> yeah, all right, all right. Um, anyway, uh, is is the old old champion? Is he's inside there, like a like a like a little small Sebastian Vettel inside the, the man human, <laughs> human version of him. Um, like, and sometimes he he. he manages to get out you know I think there's been some performances this year where you'd say that is vintage Sebastian Vettel um but he's not been there all the time so I don't think he's there yet but as I said the the little the, the little Sebastian Vettel with four world championship crowns on his head that lives inside man-sized Sebastian Vettel he's uh he's he's trying to get out he's almost out but it's not I don't think he's quite there yet but there are definitely glimpses of him is that better yeah, that's all right. That yeah, that'll do. I mean, Sebastian Sam... Little, <laughs> like Stuart Little, but it's a, a movie yeah. about a tiny Sebastian Vettel. I'd watch, yeah. that. I'd watch that. Like Ratatouille on the chef's head, right? Where he <laughs> controls him, pulling his hair. Yes, exactly like that. Good God, Sam. Since you were unimpressed by Harry's answer of not giving an answer one way or the other and it was a perfectly acceptable answer to say that he has matched expectations I'm assuming now Sam that you're going to say one way or the other definitively he has exceeded or not exceeded I think he is exceeding expectations I think Sebastian Vettel has a score to settle and I think that he is coming back with a vengeance I think it's starting off slow and that is fine. Again, new team to adjust to. You've got to get to a group for the longer different things, a whole new culture. He came from a very difficult and honestly, a bit of a sad place, Sebastian Vettel. He was not himself. He was not good. He was not the four-time world champ that we remember walking on doing the Egyptian pose and waving that little finger and doing a little ring-ding-ding over the microphone. You know, this was not the Sebastian Vettel of the four-time world champ days. This was a... I mean, to quote Harry Eid there, a bit of a shell. He was just a big man Vettel without the little fun four-time world champ Vettel inside of him. And I think Lorik Stroll has somehow restored this childlike love for the sport. I think Vettel is excited to turn up for every race. I think Vettel is excited to be part of this team. And I feel like the team have welcomed Vettel so much. I saw, I saw a comparison photo of Sebastian's Vettel. Sebastian's Vettel. Sebastian Vettel's birthday <laughs> at Ferrari <laughs> and his birthday at Aston Martin. And his birthday at Ferrari, there was a little cake on a wall on the side of the room. And it was just him stood there on his own, cutting a slice. And I even spoke to him. And at Aston Martin, he walks into the garage. There's a full ray of balloons and they're all cheering him. And he'd only been there for like two months, bless him. Um, I think that 
we have seen a glimmer of old Vettel, and I think he's already exceeded my expectations. He's doing exactly what Aston Martin needed him to do, and that is get into podium positions when the race is odd, the race is different, something strange happens. He's using that expertise brilliantly well. And I think we're going to see more of that as the season comes on, as he gets more comfortable, as he grows more into that car. I really think this is going to be a good season for Sebastian Vettel. Do I think it's as good as when he won four, time, four world champions in a row? No, of course not. But I don't expect that level of performance anymore. He's reached his peak and moved on from it. What I did expect was actually for him to crumble, for him to not have a good time, for it to just be Sebastian Vettel's driving around in the midfield and Lance Stroll is beating him. But that's not the case. I'm really impressed with how much he's developed and changed in that team. And I think it's going to continue. So, yeah, he's exceeded in everything that I thought he was going to do so far. Fair enough. Um, similar follow-up question to what I said to Harry. So, if you say that he isn't at his peak anymore. He's, he's, he's been there. He's gone past it. My question to you is, if Lewis Hamilton, a couple of years older than Vettel, can still be at his peak, why can't Vettel be at his? Because people are people, Benjamin. Um, and that's why I act like a child when I'm the oldest one here, and you tell me off like a grumpy man when you're the youngest one here. So that's why, because time is relative. Fair Good. enough. <laughs> honestly dango lewis hamilton's the goat sebastian vettel is just very very good and i think he had a bit of a difficult path whereas hamilton has been nurtured by one team for essentially his entire career and it makes a massive difference um so that's why i think i think vettel unfortunately got thrown around had a lot of missed opportunities ferrari didn't treat him right realized he wasn't the golden child he wasn't going to fulfill michael schumacher's previous establishments as a german man in the ferrari team and i think that crushed him a little bit unfortunately and i think ferrari also were a bit frustrated so i don't think it went the right way for him I think yeah. I think uh, running the Ferrari Pitbull strategy department for five years wipes a lot of your peak off. Well, right, Sainz is on that now, isn't well, it? Sainz is on that now, yeah. We're just saying how good Sainz is doing. Give it a couple of years, his peak will be he'll be long gone. Yeah. He'll have a tie in Carlos Sainz trying to get out of him. <laughs> Let me out! Vamos! Vamos! Vamos, Carlos! It's a really high-pitched, smooth operator. Um, but yeah, I I have to say on, on oh god, <laughs> he's gone. He's properly gone. Oh, sword operator! Oh, that is so it's good. It's the time of Jake. Sorry, this always send some. I love it. Um, it will. Yeah, I have to say, like overall, I I agree with what you said on Sebastian Vettel there that that people are people and I don't think you can expect every single driver to peak at exactly the same time and have exactly the same amount of time at that peak it's completely unrealistic and if it if that was the case it would be a much more boring world for it so um yeah I agree with you on that as for the original question has Sebastian Vettel exceeded or fallen short or or matched expectations it's a really difficult question because to answer that, you need to know what you were expecting from Sebastian Vettel. And I think the answer is no one really knew what to expect from Sebastian Vettel. I think outside of possibly Fernando Alonso, who was returning to Formula One after a few year absence, outside of him, Sebastian Vettel was probably the hardest one to judge because we've seen him at his absolute peak winning consecutive championships four years in a row. We've also seen what's happened to him in the likes of 2014 and 2020 against Ricardo and Leclerc. 2019 obviously didn't win against Leclerc either. So we've definitely seen the ups and downs of Vettel. And moving to a brand new team 
is another element to just throw in there. So what were we what were we expecting from Sebastian Vettel? It's a really difficult one to judge. I would on balance say that he has pretty much matched expectations for me. I, again, wasn't entirely sure what to expect, but I think overall I was expecting a slow start. I didn't think it would it would be too impressive in the first sort of four or five races, which I think is pretty much what happened. And then he would slowly get there against Lance Stroll. Again, which I think is what's happened. If I had to be picky, I'd probably say he has. If I had to go one way or the other, I would probably say he's fallen a bit short compared to what I thought he could achieve rather than exceeded. But again, I think that's entirely dependent on what you think he's capable of at this point in his career. Do you think he is capable of what he did in 2011? If the answer is yes, then you're going to be disappointed at what he's done this year. If you don't think that's achievable anymore and you've already put that to rest, then yeah, you're going to be much more happy with what you've seen from Sebastian Vettel. Yeah, in terms of, we have to say, there are there have been a few standout results that I think have flattered him slightly in comparison to Lance Stroll. So, I mean, Hungary didn't actually end up being a result for him. Um, so that one can be taken off. But if you look at um, Monaco is the other one. Uh, I can't remember if he finished fifth or sixth there, but he, he was he was strong at that, at that circuit. Uh, and then obviously the other podium he had at Baku. So I think the races where he's done well, he's been able to score high points. The races where Stroll has done well, it maybe just hasn't materialised to the same degree. So I think the scoreline does flatter him slightly, but all in all, I think it's very close between them. And the, I have to say, though, you, you go back, just take your minds back to just over three years ago, well, let's say May of 2018, as, a, as just a that. reference point. It was a few, just a few years ago. Just go back to a few years ago. Imagine saying, whilst Vettel was embroiled in a championship battle with Lewis Hamilton that season. Imagine saying, in three years' time, Sebastian Vettel, because Lance Stroll has beaten Sebastian Vettel more times than vice versa when they both finished. Imagine saying, in three years' time, Lance Stroll is going to beat Sebastian Vettel more times than the, the reverse happens, and it's not going to be a surprise. Could you imagine saying that in 2018? True. I think that speaks volumes to how how little not not how little we expect from Vettel now, but in comparison to where he was, that would that statement would have been shocking at the time. Now, it seems perfectly reasonable. So, again, it depends what you're what you're basing it on, what you're comparing him to. Um, but yeah, and just to say, in terms of the Sebastian Vettel of old. The Sebastian Vettel of old that we remember is best known for being absolutely brilliant in the first five laps of races, getting out of DRS range and being untroubled for the rest of the Grand Prix. And that reality is not achievable with the car that he's got. You know, we, we don't remember peak Sebastian Vettel, even though he has always been a, a great racer. We don't remember him being the best wheel-to-wheel driver. That's not what we remember. That's not what his legacy will be. So it's not as if that would be transferable to now because he's still able to do that, but he's not able to do what he was best at 10 years ago in 2021. So expecting that level of Sebastian Vettel, what he was able to do back then, he can't do it with the car he's got. So there is that to it as well. Do you want, first of all, do you want F1 higher and lower? And second of all, do you want a theme song to accompany it? Are you asking us or these poor listeners that have had to endure this podcast? Both. <laughs> well, it's a no. <laughs> well, they, 
Yeah, it's pretty a no. <laughs> All right. I'm going to play it anyway. F1 higher or lower. <laughs> Coming up. Is F1 higher? Is F1 lower? Is Sam faster? Is Harry slower? F1 higher? F1 lower? F1. Oh. Oh, that is almost as much of a classic as Country Roads, that is. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) That is is 23 seconds of your lives, listeners, that you are never getting back. We apologise massively for that. I've had to sing that. It starts out fairly... uh, We said this beforehand. It starts out fairly well and in tune. And then halfway through, it's just like, nope. (laughs) Had enough of that. Listeners, if you're going to get me in a recording booth with some actual artists and you know, some instruments playing, that'll be much better, I promise. I'm doing this in a, an office in a, a church in London. Slough. Yeah, I live in a converted church. I don't live in Slough! <laughs> no, he lives in Reddit instead. Um, so <laughs> we're going to play version 2.0 of F1 Higher and Lower, which we have done before. So what will happen here, We've got I've got six different things i appreciate that's a bit vague at this point in front of me that i have some sort of number value to them we'll take it in turn so i will ask harry what he thinks that number would be when i give him the category and then sam will have to say whether he thinks that he has gone too low with his guess and should go higher or whether he's gone too high with his guess in which case they he should go lower if that person gets it right they get a point if they don't the other person gets a point are we all clear Yes. Yes. <laughs> it's it's easy to just say it's easier to say yes. Like Listen folks and you'll get it after the first one. Yeah, it's easy enough. And if you get it spot on you get two points, but there are the might Oh might new be rule. A, yeah, you get two points if you get it spot on. So Harry, you can go first, uh, in terms of guessing. Pick a number between one and six. Four. Number four, okay. I want you to tell me how many race wins James Hunt got in his career. Nine. Just F1 career. Just F1 career, yeah. So nine is the gambit from Harry Eid. Sam, higher or lower than that? He's a world champ. He's a world champ. He's got more than nine. But there weren't as many races, and he wasn't actually around for that long, because the Little rascal decided he didn't fancy it after anymore. Uh, he's a little rascal. I love him. Uh, I'm going to go higher. I'm going to go higher because he's a world champion. He's got to add more than nine. Well, Harry set you a tough task because he was only one out. But you have guessed. <laughs> you have guessed the right way. He had ten race wins. Ooh. I feel wow. That, that is harsh. You won't get a point for that one, Harry. That was a good guess. Damn. 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 Fair play to you. All right, Sam leads one nil. Get in. Any number between one and six that isn't four, please, Sam. Uh, four. <laughs> uh, let's go for number two, because you're a you, poo. You really test me sometimes. I, this is good, because you've got, you've got the most difficult one now, so good luck. Oh, Chris. good. <laughs> I want you to tell me how many points Valtteri Bottas has had in his career. In his career? Yep. Oh, not that many. Not, not that many, is he? Um, okay. In his career. I'm going to go with... 
684. Higher or lower than that mark, Harry? I'm going to go lower. You, you guys need to put some respect on Bottas's name. God. First of all, first of all, Sam insults the man massively by giving him a thousand <laughs> points less than what he's actually achieved. And then Sorry, Harry decides Walter. he doesn't even deserve that many. <laughs> oh, that's just bad maths for me, to be fair. Bo- Bottas has had 1,620 points. Has he? They, they add up. Second place finish. Was it a gift? Was it a yeah? I mean, was it a? There you go. In twenty seventeen, he had like three hundred in that year alone. Is it like a loyalty reward for his like coffee that he gets? Get eight coffees from us, he will give you a hundred points. He has earned every single one of his points. Leave leave Valtteri alone. To uh, well done, To quote Harry's old phrase for Brendan Hart. Oh, Brendo. Oh, I miss him. You might have been closer Gone if you were guessing Brendan Hartley's points, but there you go. <laughs> All right. So somehow Sam is a thousand points out and gets a point, whereas <laughs> Harry was one point out with the previous one and didn't get a point. <laughs> Sam's 2 0 up. <laughs> Harry, <laughs> pick a... <laughs> you need some points now, Harry. Pick a number between one and six that is not uh, two or four. Six, please. All right. We're staying in Finland. Kimster, Kimmy Raikkonen. Okay. How many pole positions has he achieved in his career? Bloody hell. He's had... 20. Alright, 20 pole positions. It's not dead on. So Sam, higher or lower? Man hasn't touched the top spot in about three decades. So I'm going to say he had his heyday. And I, I don't rate Kimmy. As highly as a lot of people do, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go lower. I, f- I feel bad again because it's a good guess in the first. It's not one out, is it? It's two out this time. Um, but again, oh, it's loud. it's two out the correct way for you, Sam, because it's 18 yes! that he actually got. So at three nil, this is almost unassailable at this point. Um, Whitewash. Yeah, number one, three, or five, Sam. Um. I will go with number five. Okay. Um, this is this one involves maths. Oh, for Christ's sake. It also involves Harry's favourite driver. I'll get in the bin. I want you to tell me how many podium positions Jacques Villeneuve and Gilles Villeneuve had in their careers combined. I've got to add those up. It's not like the numbers are large, to be fair, but... Um... Combined, combined. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna say combined. They had twenty-six combined. Harry, higher or lower than twenty-six? Gonna go lower. <laughs> it's higher, of course. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I know it's Jacques Villeneuve, but. <laughs> Come on, man. Um, they actually had 36 between them. So oh, okay. Gilles Villeneuve had 13, uh, and Jacques Villeneuve, naturally as the better of the two drivers, had 23. Um, 23 pole positions. Sorry, podiums. Not, no, it's not podiums. Oh, podiums. Oh, well, I got it right if I knew it was podiums, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> well. Oh, we look really bad in terms of trivia. 
I, I mean, you're all right, Sam. You went in four nil. Um, oh, so there's only it's good to win. there's only two left, which is either number one or number three. Harry, which one do you want? Okay, number one, please. All right, number one. One. How many race entries? So that's not race starts, but race entries has Charles Leclerc had in his career? So, for example, What's the, the DNS. So he didn't start Monaco, but it counts in oh. entries. So. Okay, I'm with you. Thank you. How many has he had in his career? Um, how many? How many years? Is Again, is it F1 career here? About? Yeah, just F1. Yeah, right. Um, this is up to the Hungarian GP. This is up to and including the Hungarian GP. Oh, okay. So we've had eleven races this year. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm actually trying to add these up. I really hope you don't try to, because based on your form so far, you're going to end up with about four. Nope. <laughs> or a thousand and four. <laughs> One or the other. <laughs> uh, I'll go for... 72. All right, it's not It's not that on. Damn it. Sam, higher or lower than that? I'm going higher. Harry finally has a point on the board. <laughs> Damn it. Which I'm glad for, because all of these guesses are really good. Um, he, he had 70, so oh, just two out on um, Oh, I was thinking about, I was thinking high 60s, that's annoying. Well, if you were thinking high 60s, you probably should have gone lower. Is that what I said? Oh, poo, I even <laughs> got my words wrong. <laughs> I'm winging this, folks, remember that? Jackie X all over again. He's... He said he said seventy two, but I think it might only be like sixty eight. Yeah, let's go higher. There's a reason why I don't like maths questions. Oh, okay? He's making me lose my loss even more embarrassing. <laughs> so from four nil, it's now four one. Harry, you'll be delighted to hear. Oh, um, so there's no pressure on this last one. The result is sewn up either way. Um, this one is ever so slightly different in that it's not higher or lower. It's instead before or after because um, it's related oh. to a year F1 so what for it doesn't quite work the same does it no not quite <laughs> um, Emerson Fittipaldi what was the last year he raced in Formula 1 um, this could be one of those blokes that just carried on um, he's, he's well old now though isn't he old M.O. Well. I don't know. I'm going to start with 19, in case that surprises you. It's a good um, start. I'm going to go 1979. Harry, it's not dead on. So do you think it was before or after that? I'm going to go for before. Sam gets the point, And it's another. it's a very good guess. It was only one year out. 1980 oh, really? oh. last year well he, he did very well up until 1975 and then he went and joined his uh yeah oh uh, yeah Suka. of course he did he joined oh, his, Brazili- his Brazilian team and did nothing yeah and then didn't really uh couldn't really do wasn't much wasn't there the something a bit dodgy about that team financially they had some strange things going 1970s on 1970s F1 no nah, can't, can't believe no. that no no. It's all legit. Anyway, Sam, 
you've not only won, you've won by five points to one. Demolition. Oh, job. it's a good one. Harks back to my England days against Germany. Let's uh, let, let's treat you with this win by giving you your own voice back to you. I love this country ballad. Is F1 higher? Is F1 lower? Is Sam faster? Is Harry slower? F1 higher? F1 lower? F1. Oh, it's snappy at the end. Beautiful. And I can't think of a better way to finish off the podcast. Got through quite a lot in the hour that we've done here today. Um, and as we mentioned at the start of the podcast, we are going to be together next weekend. Not if you listen to this in like four weeks' time, in which case we met up like three weeks ago. But if you're listening to this at a reasonable time, next weekend we're going to be together. So if you have any ideas for content, let us know. Um, we'll, we'll be sure to do something in the time we have available to us. But Sam, if you wouldn't mind, until the next week's podcast, we'll be back, of course, normal time. Get us out of here. Folks, if you want that content to be me singing that country anthem live while Harry strums on the acoustic guitar by an open fire, we dress bang up like a rabbit to run round in the background, then do get involved over on the Discord. It's very important that we hear your thoughts, and we will make that happen if enough of you say so. By enough, I mean at least one of you. Um, folks, F1 content as always. Let us know what you think about the topics. Get the Discord to talk with us. We will be back, of course, next week as well for more chit-chat on F1 Styly. Um, again, we always appreciate your support. There's so many of you now that listen. It absolutely baffles us. So thank you for sticking around. Uh, in the meantime, I've been Samuel Safe. I've been a rabbit in the background. And I've been Sebastian Little. <laughs> And remember, <laughs> keep breaking late. Oh, Vamagos! <laughs>